Hey, Star Wars fans and Rule the Galaxy fans, it is Joe in the pilot seat. And you'll notice that we've done some fun shows recently, some side shows, not side shows like clowns or anything like that, but side shows with some of our special guests. We've had uh, author Adam Bray. We've had our good friend Steve Glosson from Geek Out Loud. And today we're going to add in another friend of mine who... Uh, Another one of those guys who was one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast with my son in the first place, Mr. Scott Rifen. Scott, how are you? I'm I'm great. That's like heavy though. That's like uh like we're one of an inspiration. What does that mean exactly? I mean Well, you know, when gosh, how long have I been listening to podcasts? Ten years plus now, right? 2010, mm. somewhere around there. So 12 years. Yeah, back at that time frame. I, my, people were like, Hey, have you, do you listen to podcasts? I said, what are podcasts? And yeah. so then they said, you can listen to just about anything you want on your phone. And I said, okay, well, what do I like? So I started dialing in what I liked and, you know, uh, this, the, um, star Wars, the Pittsburgh Steelers, things about Italy, um, you know, things like that. And through the process of elimination, you know, you try out, oh, does this show, what is this, does it fit for me? Does it work? I found uh, my Star Wars story. I found Geek Out Loud. I found Rebel Force Radio, Star Wars Report. And lo and behold, on most of those things, your name popped up or Steve Glosson's name popped up or Adam Bray popped up. So I was like, these are guys I want to get to know because I love listening to them talk about Star Wars. Yeah, my name comes up in places and sometimes I don't know it and sometimes it's not very nice. <laughs> so that's why I, when I find out later and I go, oh, really? That's not, I found out like one day out of nowhere on Twitter, somebody was had talked smack about me and Glosson from like months and, you know, months ago. And somebody said, hey, did you see this? I'm like, oh, I didn't see that. It was not very nice. Why, why would they do that? What did I do to this person that I've never heard of before? Well, they weren't but, talking about a show you were on with me, were they? No, 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 this is no, this is before <laughs> this is pre you. Uh, but yeah, it was just it was just one of those weird things. It is one of those weird things. And one time somebody posted a list of podcasts to never listen to. And it was Geek Out Loud with Steve Glosson, wow. Rebel Force Radio, and anything with Scott. Raven. <laughs> wow. I'm not gonna I'm not going yeah. to pin those people any kind of religious or political beliefs, but I have a feeling there were some things behind that to say that about those three shows. So. Yeah, it was very odd. And I, I was, that always kind of puzzled me that people would just come at you with such unmitigated hate with never having interacted with you before. Yeah, no, no, but, no, no. You know. um, I, no, I get it. I mean, believe it or not, um, we have had some people say some negative things to us or email us negative things. And, and that's okay. It's part of the thing when you, when you put yourself out there and say, Hey, listen yeah. to me, 
you're, you're going to get some positive and you're going to get some negative. So, but see, that amazes me that you, because when I listen to you guys, you, you, I, to, I feel like you may have one of the widest funnels in all of Star Wars podcasting because you seem to, you seem to be able to appeal to everybody and you, you legitimately are inclusive. There are a lot of people running around going, we're inclusive. And what they mean is we're inclusive of these five groups of people. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. Whereas you guys actually, and you know, you give people a varying perspective. Sometimes you give them the stick, you give them the wheel of the show. So I can't understand why anybody would express any hate or disdain towards you guys. Yeah, I don't anybody. Think I don't think it's been as much hate or disdain as things, you know, complaining about either topics we brought up or maybe some points we've made about certain characters or things like okay. that. So okay. it's, it's not so that's a, like the fun stuff. Yeah, I mean they're they're not they're not going. Gosh, you guys stink. We hate you. It's more okay. of it's more it's not, of okay. I can't believe you have this thought about this person or why do you? Oh no, that's care good about stuff. That? Okay, okay, that's yeah. fun. That's the stuff that we can sit at the table and argue about. That's I like yeah. that. Uh, it's not the I hate this person. Don't ever listen to this person. They're evil uh, and all this other weird stuff. Uh, that's the stuff that I just totally don't get, and I don't get how it has taken over an infected fandom. 100%. That's what I don't get. 100%. And, and, you know, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum on our show and with different guests. And, you know, I don't get it either. And we all know that none of this is perfect. Star Wars isn't perfect. So we know that there's going to be certain things that people like and things that certain people don't like. Um, but, I, but I do think I will accept that compliment from you because I do think that we do our best to say, oh, we want more discussions on this let's invite somebody on who knows about that you know we want mm -hmm. to talk about books great we'll talk about books you want to talk about collecting we'll talk about yeah. that you know our, our friend brent dykeman on the show you want to talk about star wars legion for an hour let let's go do that you know i mean well let's not go crazy here. <laughs> but but, uh, but yeah i yeah. mean we you are right we try to cover a little bit of everything and i don't know if we're any different than a lot of people but we we try to be and we try to just be fun so you are, you are a lot of different because again, uh, there are a lot of people who go, we're inclusive and they literally only include this little group of people that they think they're being inclusive of, and they're actually not. And, uh, you guys really do. I will sit there and I go, wow, that I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that person or that perspective. Okay. That's pretty cool. And, but you do that. And so, you know, one of the things I appreciate about your program is that you are probably the most diverse podcast out there people won't believe that they don't want to believe that because they think they have the most diverse podcast out there but you guys really actually do reach out to everybody it seems like so well i appreciate that i really do mm -hmm. and and um yeah it's a lot of fun and, and and the one thing the one thing i'm seeing is um mm -hmm. you know there are podcasts out there that are so like joined at the hip with lucasfilm or with disney and mm -hmm. you know it's like oh we're having a celebration we're going to have those people there. We're going to open up galaxies, yeah. you know, galaxies edge. We're going to have those people there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'll admit we're not, I think uh, it might've been you or Adam saying, you know, we're not shills. We're not people who are going to go yeah. everything about Star Wars is great. And if you don't love it, you don't need to listen to us. No, we, we say we love Star Wars, but there's parts of it where we're like, eh, that was, that didn't hit all the way, you know? So, yeah. Um, I, I appreciate the people who are sold all the way through their souls to say, we're going to support everything, but mm -hmm. we, we're the ones who that gun, if we want to rip on Hasbro for half an hour, we're going to do it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. and, 
and you know, I, I used to, I used to be that guy. It was like, I'm going to support everything. And now I'm, I'm not that way anymore just because, but we're also in an era where there is so much yeah. that you don't really have to worry about it. But I, you know, I was the guy back in the day that was like, you better not talk bad about, well, you know what? I'm sorry. I was, you, you better not talk bad about the prequels and you better not talk bad about the Ewok movies and you better not talk bad about the droids cartoon. But if you want to talk bad about the Ewok cartoon, I'm probably okay with that. <laughs> Because it was, it's to this day, I just didn't find it good. Well, you, um, we'll, we'll just hit and bounce around a few topics. But one of the topics that, that stood out to me that you brought up, because I was like, hey, let's just talk and let's just talk Star Wars. Um, you brought up headcanon. Mm -hmm. And I love that topic because there are definitely things. I mean, I'm looking at my bookshelves. You have done a great job of putting your bookshelves behind you. I, on the other hand, have them in front of me, so I, I can't show off mine like you you are on, on YouTube right now. But um, there are so many things in the books and in the comics, and from when I was a little kid through the time of the prequels and all that, that still is near and dear to my heart. But to mm. me, unless somebody tells me 100% this is not part of Star Wars, to me it's just as much Star Wars as what we watch in the theaters and what's on Disney+. Plus. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Sometimes in your hearts and minds, it's more than what's in the movies and <laughs> on Disney Plus. I, I do. I the the funny thing is, like, you and I are similar age wise. I think I'm, you know, a little bit your senior, but not much. And uh, you know, we were kids. We saw Star Wars. Star Wars was the greatest thing ever, and we loved it, loved it, loved it. And it's one of those things I also have to explain to people. People say. What is the appeal to a Star Wars? What is it that actually grabbed you about Star Wars? And then they expect you to say, well, it's the, it's the grand uh, uh, exposition of the mythological underpinnings of mankind's experiences. And the truth is we were six years old, or I was yep. six years old. I didn't know anything about all that stuff. I didn't know anything about uh, you know mythological tropes and all this stuff. What I knew was I went in the theater and it blew me out of the back of the theater. And it stuck okay. with me there. It, I can't pretend to some intellectual connection to star Wars when, you know, July 29th, 1977, six-year-old me walked out of the movie theater and yelled to my brother, that's the greatest movie I'm ever going to see for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, so it, you can sit there and rationalize it later as an adult, but the truth is, uh, whatever this thing is, it's very primal and it got us and it got us early and it stuck with us. And, uh, it's a huge story. It's a huge story. And I've, I've always, I've always been fascinated by big stories. You know, these big interlocking things. One thing I always loved about comic books, you, you, you've bought a few comic books in your life. I have. Um, what, what, what got you buying comic books? Well, I, I just think it was, well, one, it was fairly inexpensive at that time. What, you know, mm. 35 cents or whatever. And you could go and Mm -hmm. sit sit in your room and be away from everything else in the world and go into this adventure here with the person that you mm -hmm. thought was a hero or villain or what have you but but yeah i love that it was every month you know you could expect that next story that next part of whatever was going on uh for me it was you know i loved batman i loved captain america um obviously the star wars books from the late 70s to the early 80s so mm -hmm. that was what I, you know, every now and then a Hawkeye, a Green Arrow, uh, people like that. Um, but yeah, again, you mentioned before, I like guys with bows and arrows. I don't know why. Um, but but um, but yeah, it was just that big overarching uh, overarching story that all yes. that was inside of, right? Yeah, and that's what I love. 
you know, my, my comic book story started with star Wars because I mean, I, you know, the comic books were always around and I always liked them, mm -hmm. but it, I didn't become fanatical about them until star Wars came out. And once the star Wars adaptation ended at number six, I thought, okay, well that's it. It's over. And then all of a sudden there was number seven and there was more story. And then there was number eight and there was more story. And so uh, all of a sudden we got to continue the adventures of the star warriors as they would say back then. And that was just, that was amazing to me. So I, you know, every, when we'd go on vacation, because you didn't have comic shops everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, and particularly not in Brunswick, Georgia, little tiny rinky dink Brunswick, Georgia. I mean, my, my, before there was a certain bookstore that did open that started ordering from diamond over time, but from, you know, 77, 78, 79, really the main place I would find comic books was in convenience stores. Exactly. And so, and I knew which convenience stores in town had the good racks. So if we stop somewhere for some mom, I got to go into this one. Cause I know what they, you know, they've got the good one. Right. And rack. And I remember my brother used to always tell me, Hey, if you, my brother's got six years on me. He said, hey, if you see a number one, buy it. Cause they're all worth a fortune. <laughs> so, you know, I would say, okay, well, I'm going to buy a number one. If I see a number one on the shelf, I'm going to buy it because I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be able to pay for my college with it. And, um, I was in one of the convenience stores. I was in Jack's Minute Market on Highway 341 in beautiful Brunswick, Georgia. Your, and your recall uh, cracked they, me up. They had this this really cool, it wasn't a spinner rack. It was like a flat uh, mounted rack on the, you know, like they, they have the boards with the, the shelves come out of them, like with candy bars and stuff mm -hmm. on them. Yeah. Okay. This one just had a magazine rack or a comic book rack mounted onto that board next to the candy bars. And... Um, that was really cool because it was expansive. Everything was, you didn't have to spin the rack and flip through anything because it was all just right there in your face. And uh, I remember they had the thing number one in that rack or uh, yeah, in that rack. And I said, well, there you go. Number one, I'm buying it. So I bought the thing number one and I read it and I thought it was great. I loved the thing. Uh, Fantastic Four, great. And then the thing number two comes out. And I'm like, well, I've bought number one. I got to get number two, right? And number two opens up and he's doing some kind of cleanup in the Baxter building. And it says, Oh, you want to know what happened here? You better check out fantastic four, number two fifty-six. Yeah. The little asterisk. The little, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Asterisk and into the box editorial remark. And I went, okay, well, let me go get fantastic four two fifty-six. So I did that. And then there's like one panel where Annihilus is doing something and something glows behind him and you're going, Oh, that's interesting. And then uh, it says, if you want to know what's going on in this panel, you better buy Avengers 233. Mm. And I went, oh, okay. And But I was fascinated by the idea that there were all of these different books being made by different people that all fit together like a puzzle. Right. You know, this thing story didn't have anything to do with Fantastic Four 256, but the you saw the effects of what happened in Fantastic Four 256. The, the Avengers and Fantastic Four were kind of linked, but they were two very different sides of the same type of story. So... I, I was really, I'm really fascinated by all of these interlocking pieces being put together by different people fitting together in a puzzle. And when, uh, you know, early on Star Wars, you didn't have a lot of that because you had the solo trilogy by Brian Daly, probably right. my favorite of all time. But, you know, that all happened well before Star Wars. And you had the Marvel stuff, which was happening contemporaneously with the films. And then, I mean, what else did you have? Yeah, no. Was there? I mean, special splinter in the mind's eye splinter thing. splinter, which was a um, sequel. And then a little while later, what post post empire, there was the, uh, Lando trilogy. Yeah. Lando and, uh, 
83, I think right about the time yeah. Jedi came out, you had the Lando stuff come out. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're right. And so not only speaking about the comics, because the comics are near and dear to my heart. Um, mm. I, I have pretty much all the comics. I know you have a complete set of them, but I really like these when I want to just read and dab and dabble, you know, in the comics, yeah. because these, these trade paperbacks of, of the originals from 77 to 85 are phenomenal. I mean, you've got so much packed into them. And, mm -hmm. and so those are great. Some of my favorite stories ever when, you know, uh, the, the Magnificent Seven story basically of Han and them. And the Duba three. Yep. Seven, yeah. eight, nine, all that. And then the Doom World with, with uh, Luke and Chewie and all those guys in that water yeah. planet. Yeah. You got to, you remember, I mean, our imaginations were going right to, oh my gosh, is this going to be in the next movie? Is this going to be you know, uh, the next story that we're following, we had no idea, but they were taking us all these magnificent places that we'd never been before. And it all meant something to us. Um, yeah. and, and like you mentioned, the, the solo, the, the original solo trilogy, I've got them sitting right here in front of me and some of my most favorite stories ever. And until somebody tells me you cannot consider that Star Wars, to me, that's that trilogy and these comics are just as important to me as the movies are. Well, yeah, to me, particularly the Marvel comics, they were Star Wars. Mm -hmm. You know, when we didn't have a movie, they were. So when we didn't know there was going to be another movie, that was what we had. And so when uh, they kind of reset the canon in 91, and nobody wants to talk about the fact that they reset the canon in 91, <laughs> but they did. I mean, when Heir to the Empire came out, yeah. they did that. Heir to the Empire blew up. And, and someday we will, we've talked, you and I have talked about that on this program a few times. We have one day we will have to really just spend an hour talking about that book and how it blew up. And I don't even really want to talk about the contents of the book that much because I, I don't think it's particularly well written, but just the phenomenon that the book is, uh, I, you could spend an hour just talking about that, but, but 100%. when that happened, yeah, when that happened, they, the comic started coming back out again. Um, the, the kids books, the, the David's, you know, that did those uh, yep. glove of Darth Vader and all those mission demand Mount Yoda and all that stuff. Heck yeah. Um, and, and they all kind of tried to make that a consistent Canon, but in doing so, they, they pretty much said, Oh, that Marvel stuff. That's, that's not Canon anymore. That's not, in fact, you held up when you just held up the book that you like to go through, yep. it was the dark horse a long time ago, reprint series. Yep. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but when they, in fact, I would bet it's probably in the copy on the back cover when they issued it, they didn't issue it as this is great Star Wars stuff. They issued it as this is a kitschy throwback kind of thing that'll, you know, does it say, what's it say well, on the back? It's basically, well, I mean, it's, it's, um, oh goodness, a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. But it, it seems like they didn't really take it seriously. Yeah. See, <laughs> yeah, see, but rabbit carnivorous mm -hmm. robot name. Yeah. So you had, um, yeah. And it's, now, for the first time, the entire Marvel series is collected into book format. Uh, yeah, collector of kitsch, each kitsch, standalone see? book. Yep. And that's kitsch. what I'm saying. That's how they regarded Marvel Star Wars at the time. And that really kind of annoyed me. You know, all these people got mad in uh, 2015 20, when they yep. reset the canon. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And you Not had the society. Forget. Yeah, you had the society for the original canon, whatever, the expanded universe. And I joined some of those groups, and I did, you know... I, Eh, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, th these guys were all really mad that the canon had been thrown out because all this, all this interwoven storyline had been built since 1991. And I get it. But at the same time, 
it was always understood that if George ever superseded anything, it was going to be superseded. Lucasfilm as an entity decided right. to supersede something. It was all going to hell. Nobody ever said this is 100% the confirmed and established canon. But I had already gone through that before, so I didn't have this period of mourning. I understood it's business. You know, at, at the end of the day, Star Wars isn't, isn't you know, art that belongs to the people. It's a business. Yeah. Yeah, and, but I mean... Which is, which is why some of the creators don't get that we are the customers, and they should get that huh. as well, but... That's some, a different some, topic. Some creators think of us as the enemies. You have to remember that. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And <laughs> um, that's a problem as well. Yeah. I mean, what's funny is you mentioned that about the, the kind of redux of everything in 1991. You know, people people do not remember, and my dog has decided to continuously bark in the background. Um, okay. but, but, you know, after the droid and Ewok cartoons, after the Ewok movies, mm -hmm. we went into mega silence except for what? West End Games? Well, we had well, well, we had West End Games, and we had Star Wars 3D from Blackthorn. Okay, if you remember that, I don't remember that. I did not. No, that's not one thing I ever jumped into. No. Okay. Uh. So in so in okay. So Marvel ended the comic in '86, mm -hmm. and they had gone. If you remember, before they ended the comic, they went bi-monthly, and that's always the "we're about to die" sign <laughs> for a comic. Um, they went bi-monthly circulation had dropped dramatically and from what i understand they were having trouble getting stories approved by lucasfilm at the same time I, I think lucasfilm just didn't care at that point but there were these little things that were coming out 10th anniversary 87 they started the west end game stuff i have the original west end games books and they have the 10th anniversary logo on them and um they also did blackthorn comics did a three issue star wars 3d okay i've heard of yeah okay yeah now i remember but i'm not never had them or anything like that but okay. i have i have the, i got the i got the first one and the third one at the comic shops when i was in college and the second one i had to get off of ebay for years because it never showed up at the comic shop just never wow appeared um but i did wind up with it so you know i've got it a full set but you know they really kind of like you said went into hibernation because what else was there no and it, it was every a, so often there was a thing and then it wouldn't really take off and then they whatever you know, um, and so when when Heir to the Empire came out, I thought that was going to be just another, you know, here's another thing they're going to throw out there and five people will appreciate it and it'll go away. It's um to to put it into perspective based on what um, good friend of the show. And I just was sitting here thinking about his name and I'm blanking it runs fancy oh, no. tracks. Um, Mark Newbold. Mark Newbold. I You're had welcome. his name in my head. Thank you. Mark Newbold um, told me on one show one time, heir to the Empire, when it comes to how it affected Star Wars and how it affected sales of things, was a nuclear bomb yes. compared to the High Republic being a duck fart. <laughs> if, you, if you want to put the size and the, and the yeah. explosiveness the from it, the scope, that's how he phrased it. And I, I always loved that he had said that because I was like, wow. I guess we just didn't realize how big that really no, was. I, no, I did. That's the thing. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't, I did that day. And I told you this story yeah, on this yeah. program about how, you know, I'm a day and date guy. I love day and date. I don't know why I've always been a fan of when something comes out, I want it that day. And, uh, I almost couldn't get it that day. Yeah. And I was going, why in the hell can I not get this? And uh, it's funny because I'm sure I know you've seen the pictures that I've been posting on Twitter and stuff as yep. I've gone through my my storage unit over the last several months. And uh, one of the things that I found was a lot of the I 
I keep things because a lot of times, because for some reason, I've always had it in my head that someday I'll be talking about this again and I need this to prove it. Yep. And um, I've kept several of the, uh, of the uh, Sunday papers with the top 10 list, the New York Times bestseller list, and Air to the Empire is like number one or number two all summer long, uh, which was just insane. Yeah. But, but I ran across some of those then. But anyway, this whole thing, this was a canon reset. Yeah. And so they started putting this together. And I remember at the time them bagging on the Marvel Star Wars, as we just proved. And um, I remember going, well, the hell with that. Because I love Marvel Star Wars. I adore Marvel Star Wars. And some of these stories are much better than what we're seeing today. And as far as I'm concerned, if anything contradicts them, I'm defaulting to what I like more. <laughs> You know, to me, they're just better stories than the ones you're telling. Sorry. You're defaulting to your own headcanon. Yeah, and that's where head, you know, my headcanon stuff first came around. And probably why I didn't get crushed when Disney reset it, because A, I understand business. And B, because uh, I've gone through this before, and I kind of learned about headcanon the hard way. And that is, you know, if you don't like the story they're telling, there's another story you can stick in there in its mm -hmm. place and put that, you know, and try to find a way to put it together. I, I wrestled for a long time with Marvel Star Wars annual number one because, you know, there are three Jedi that come to help him. And they make the strong implication that it's Obi-Wan Kenobi, Vader, and Luke's father that, that helped the people of Sky. Right, right. And, uh, you know, at the end, they even say, well, who's the, who was, uh, you know, because I said, Obi-Wan Kenobi's there, Darth Vader's there. And, uh, you know, who's the third one? Oh, you wear his saber. And uh, so I always went, well, gosh, that just doesn't work, does it? But I kind of find a way to make it work. You know how you make it work? I want to hear. Okay. We, we know Darth Vader is somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah. We also know the galaxy at large doesn't really know who he is. In fact, they, they confirmed that on the Obi-Wan Obi Obi Kenobi series, <laughs> right? Right. They kind of confirmed. We don't really know who this guy is, but we know he's a badass and he kills people and he's pretty evil. And, but we, but we also know this, he's a force user. And we know that somehow he had to learn to be a force user. We know he's great with a lightsaber. So I started thinking, you know, maybe, the, maybe the galaxy as a whole understands that Vader is a fallen Jedi of some sort. And maybe different planets and different cultures have come up with who they think he is. And so maybe those three people that went to Sky and saved everybody were Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, and Mace Windu, who they believe later became Darth Vader. Because they don't know. He disappeared, and then all of a sudden Vader shows up. They don't know what happened in the, in the, uh, yeah, in the uh, Emperor's offices, you know? No, no. Um... We don't know that the emperor took those guys out real quick in that scene. No. Um, no. Yeah, it could have been any of those Jedi. It could have been Kit Fisto, who they think was later Darth Vader. You know what I mean? I mean, seriously. So, yeah, are, you, are you saying that just to get Jimmy and Jason to listen to the show? No, I absolutely not. No, or it could have been Plo Koon, because <laughs> Plo Koon's already got a breathing thing going, right? True, very true. So, you know, so what I'm saying is, obviously... A lot of people around the galaxy probably figured out that he's a fallen Jedi. Probably most people don't figure it's Anakin because, I mean, how could it be Anakin Skywalker? He's right. the hero of the Republic, um, which, again, is what makes the story so tragic. But, you know, you start thinking, well, it's probably a fallen Jedi. Who could it be? Which one could it be? Boom, boom, boom. And uh, all of a sudden, hey, guess what? It's it. Maybe it's they think it's Mace Windu. They think it's so. Then they tell the story of, yes, Darth. Yes, that guy, you know, is Darth Vader. He's Darth Vader. He was here. Obi-Wan was here and Anakin Skywalker was here. You know, 
but it could have been any of those guys. You're so right. In so much of Star Wars, um, you know, just like in human history, you know, word of mouth, right? Stories mm-hmm. are told down from generation to generation, and things can get lost in translation and everything like that. Yes, and in cultural interpretation, and right. and you know, it's it's a lot of what they build new canon around anyway because they don't want to be bound to certain things. So they want to be able to contradict themselves by saying, well, it's all legends anyway, if you know what I mean. Every every legend comes from a certain point of view. And so, I mean, really, Lucasfilm's kind of endorsing and author- authorizing headcanon when you think about it. Well, and, um, and you know, you saying that makes me think about, you know, the Kenobi series where they did, where the Grand Inquisitor stopped the guy and said, you know who I am. And he said, you're an Inquisitor. You're a fallen, you know, you were, you used to be a Jedi. You know, you're yeah. a former Jedi. And, and you're right. I mean... In, in their mind, that could be who Darth Vader is right there. Yeah. Just a fallen Jedi that, that's gone over to be this BA. So Yeah, and I, I can't I can't believe that people wouldn't figure that much out, but they may not figure out the whole big picture because I mean it couldn't be Anakin Skywalker because he's great. He's such a good guy. But um, you know. Have you have you watched um Light and Magic or the Icons Unearth on Vice Network? I have I've watched the first two light and magics, so or there be lights, lights, and lights magic. and magic. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. Uh, and I've not watched any of the Vice one. Okay. No, but and you know the bad thing about the Vice one, I feel terrible about that. Is I'm a powerful and influential member of the media, and <laughs> as such, they sent me the first oh, two or three episodes before it came on, and. I just thought, man, this is some crock of something. I'm not going to look. And then after it came out, I looked. And I was like, oh, crap. They were giving me the episode. I didn't think. I thought it was just a like a press release. Right. And then I realized when I looked at it later, I was like, here, are the, here they sent me one. It was like, here's a link to the first episode. And they were like, we didn't hear from you. So here are the links to the next two episodes. And I'm like, oh, crud. Wow. Okay. Never mind. So look I felt bad you. about that. Yeah. I had, a, had an opportunity to look at that stuff. And it just, I blew it off, I guess. All famous and powerful. And, and you let it slide. If I had realized it, I would not have. It they were both entertaining, but they go back and and you again, like you, I've watched the first two episodes of Light Light and Magic, and uh, I haven't haven't finished that out yet. But I plan on doing that here uh, very soon. But I, I really like that kind of stuff. It's one of the things about Star Wars, whether it's our own headcanon based off old books from the seventies or eighties, old comic books, or seeing how the sausage was made, right? Seeing the things mm-hmm. behind the scenes to me, is just such an important part of Star Wars um, that's different than so many other things. Like, there, yeah. you, how, many other, how many other franchises do you really feel like have this library made of how things are made, what happened behind the scenes, and all that? I, mean, we, I, I, think, I think our generation, and I think, I think current generations are like this, but I think our generation was the first generation that grew up film literate. And I mean, film like production literate. Okay. Because you know what happened on the screen in Star Wars was amazing, but it really started a conversation amongst all of us about how did that happen? <laughs> you know, how did they right. make this work? What did they? So you know, we were kids who grew up with you know words like blue screen, which is not a thing now. It's green screen, but blue screen was the thing back then. Mm-hmm. You know, we we you know what 10, 11, 12 year old uses the word optical printer, but we did. <laughs> and mat lines and uh you know we we grew up kind of film literate now i think once 
DVDs came out, I think it made it even more widespread because all of a sudden there were director's commentaries that people were watching oh, yeah. all the time. And so people really became film literate. But I, you would, when I was, I was in college when I learned what an aspect ratio was. And okay, I know the aspect ratio. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And now, like, I'll have conversations with my, I've been having conversations with my son about aspect ratios for, what is he, 25 now, 15 years. Wow. Because he just, that's part of the culture now. People, the, the, the vocabulary of film production is is kind of everybody's language, but that was really, we were the first ones, you know, talking about stop motion regularly as a generation and blue screens and, you know, all of that. In the past, it was just movie magic, right? People just said, yeah. oh, it's just movie magic. Yeah, and it happened. Just... Boy, that's amazing. How'd that happen? <laughs> you know, you brought up your son. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a show in the future about Heir to the Empire, but I think what would be fun is sometime here, maybe as we get closer to the holidays i started this my son and i started this show as a father and a son i've mm -hmm. heard your son come on and do things with you and and you know talk about other things other topics um yeah I he likes to fun. do things with the deuce cast guys way more than me yeah i i think it'll be fun if the four of us two two elder uh star wars fans and two younger star wars fans <laughs> if we all sat down and talked a little bit and you know that that age difference and what how we see things perspectives and all that and oh, I love that. Since both of our sons love to talk and and <laughs> like to be in front of microphones and things like that, yeah. I, I think that would be great. So you know what? Count on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna put okay. that in my notes to where we do a father and a son because we just Joey and I just did a father and a son show with the father son galaxy podcast. Oh, and, cool. And cool. Um, yeah, and and the gentleman is uh, Kerwin and Keith, and Kerwin, mm -hmm. you know, he's he's probably not my age. He's a little bit younger than me. Um, and and then his son Keith is uh, nine, nine mm -hmm. years old. Yeah, a lot I've of seen energy. them. Yeah, yes. Um, and and so we had a lot of fun, and and it was great because we got to again just talk about those differences and those opinions and how we see things at different ages and so forth. So it was a lot of fun. But I think it would be great with uh, with me, you, Joey, and, and the G Man to uh, to get together and do that. I, I would like to do that. So um, let's count on that. Let's do that. Hey, um, yeah. I, go ahead. No, I just I was gonna say I'd love that. I'd love that. Okay. Have you been purchasing anything recently? Have you been buying any new figures, any new collectibles, anything like that? You know, I. It's funny because uh, when they first put the retro line out, I was like, "This is my thing. Mm -hmm. I'm getting the retro line." And then the I got the first uh, the, the Star Wars ones. I got all the Empire. No, I got pretty much the Empire ones, and then the Mando ones came out. And they were really hard for me to find, which I'm sure I'm not alone in that. And some of my buddies, like like Ryan from uh, Dinner for Geeks, kept going, "Hey, just just go and order them from you know one of these toy companies." Right. I'm like, "No, that's part of the joy is in finding them on the rack, finding them on the shelves, you know, grabbing them off the pegs." To me, that's part of the joy of that because that's is. you know, there's something about those retro that retro line that it's it's about you know when you got them when you were a kid because they are the ones when you got a kid or in that style. Right. And so for me, I don't want to order a box of them and then have a box of them come in and open it up and go, yep, that's a box of them and then put it away. <laughs> that's not the fun part. Right. So after I missed out on the Mandalorian stuff, I thought, well, I'll probably just not get any of this stuff and just to heck with it. And then um, the other day I was in Target and I ran into the Obi-Wan retros and they mm -hmm. had all of them but Reva. And who's, I think her special, the little special feature they have with her is the gut stab feature, which is great. Um, 
She has gut stab ability, survives any gut stab that she wants. And uh, so I I went, well, I got to get these. I got to get these now. And so I bought them all off the rack and they're all, they're populating the bookshelves right now. That's yeah. I wanted to show you. So I, same thing, found this at the, at the store. I was like, Luke and Obi-Wan are my two favorite. I couldn't pass it up, even though I'm saving back and keeping all my money for my Italy trip. I said, I have to have that. And then I forgot and I had ordered the six inch version of the wandering Jedi and it just showed up and I thought, Oh yeah, I ordered that. Sorry. I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not standing between you and your wife on that one. You, just, I'm getting out of the way. She she knows my love for Luke and Obi Wan. She was like, "Hey, you ordered a long time ago. Don't worry about it." You know. So yeah. But I, I have been watching my dollars and cents. I've I've been very good. good because Alfie, D Doc, those guys on the show, they they send me things all the time. Oh, this is available. This is yeah. available, and I'm like, guys, do not show me this. I can't. I don't need this right now. I mean, yeah. I do, but. I don't. I'll, I'll get that from Ryan. He'll send me something. And he said, this is a great deal. You should get this. And it's like, it's marked down from $200 to 75. It's like, but still 75. Understand. Yeah. Oh. I know 75, you know, next to 200 is not that bad, but it's still, it's a chunk of money to, to blow at once. I will say this though. I did take Ryan up on this one. Hang on. All right. I got it. You're good. You're good. I, the other day, and I drove my wife nuts because I wouldn't tell her why I needed to go to Sam's and buy grapes. <laughs> We all have those hidden little tasks or treasure hunts that we're doing. And yeah, Scott pulls stuff off the shelf. Ryan sent me uh, on a task on a shopping trip for this. They were oh. selling grapes at Sam's in these little crates. Those are great. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a really nice crate. And um, I don't know what I'm going to put in it, but I made sure I got some. And I don't, as you, I think, no, I don't eat fruits or vegetables. So, uh, my wife knew that I had no desire to actually eat the grapes, but wow. she she conceded. She let me get the grapes. And you know, so, grape, uh, grapes are pretty much the only fruit I will eat. I, is that I, right? Yeah, I, I still, I'll grab like five or six and just snack on them and then yeah. won't, eat, won't eat anything for like hours. So Yeah, I see. I've got texture issues and then just <laughs> eating something that, that feels like it could be exploding. It's just <laughs> not a thing for me. I just don't. Yeah, it's well, just not a thing. You had another topic and we've bounced around it some, and, mm. and obviously we've been talking about it and people didn't even know we were talking about it, but mm. Tom, Tom Palmer, um, yes. July, he was born July of 1942, passed away August 8th of 2022. Give people some background on Tom Palmer, because when you sent it to me, I thought, I know that name, but where do I know it from? And I went and looked up and found out, wow, no wonder I know this name. Yeah, Tom, Tom Palmer was kind of, I always consider him to be kind of the glue that held Star Wars together in Marvel, in the Marvel days, because if you look at his body of work doing Marvel Star Wars, he was a guy who did some of those really early issues. Mm-hmm. He, did, he, he was the inker on eight and nine and 10. He worked, I think he inked the first few issues, uh, the covers of the first few issues. Um, he also inked some of the uh, upper 50s. And then once the Michelini Walt Simonson era, mm-hmm. then into Ron Friends. I mean, he was the inker for that thing for a really, really long time. So a lot of the consistency of the look, I mean, look, Walt Simonson's great. Don't get me wrong. Love Walt Simonson. Love what he did on that book. But Tom Palmer was the guy who kind of finished that art off and gave it certain aspects of its look. And then, you know, when when Simonson leaves, you get Ron Friends who comes in and uh it's still got a consistent look to it. That consistent looks Tom Palmer. Palmer also did some of these 
great painted covers. The oh, cover, yeah. the the one issue that became Jawas of Doom. What was that? Eighty six, I think. See, you no, eighty one. Eighty one. Numbers and Sorry. dates. You've got them. You're eighty one. Eighty one. So he does the cover of eighty one, which is just gorgeous. He did the cover for number fifty, uh, which is another beautiful cover. I like eighty one more, but it, you know, there are certain artists who do things that just stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the cover for 81 shows up on a lot of different things tells you how great the art is. It's kind of like Gene Day and his, uh, his Boba Fett cover. You know, that, you see that on a t- every 15 seconds. T-shirt. It's on a different T-shirt. It's yeah. on a different mug. It's on a, you know, th- that's a thing that just, it will stand forever. And uh, a lot of Tom Palmer stuff is like that. He was the guy, though, that really gave a lot of the consistency. And when you look at it, you know, he's, he's, he's inking, like I said, issues eight, nine, 10, you know, this is like the, the Howard Chaikin era stuff. And he's also inked some of the, the, uh, 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 Carmine Infantino stuff and Simonson, you know, so he's like there for every little era of Marvel star Wars, making something happen. Uh, and so you can't ignore the stamp that he clearly put on that title. No. And, and, you know, everybody knows George Lucas, everybody knows the, the major players when it comes to the movies and, you know, different things like that. Some of the major authors from the novels and, and so forth. But gentlemen like this and people who are like in those shows that I was just talking about, I don't think they get near the credit mm-hmm. that they deserve for people like you and me to to be able to look at episode eight or nine in this book right here, uh, you know, of this trade paperback and and see the artwork that he was involved with right there. That's mm-hmm. That's some of the key, most important Star Wars in the world, like you mentioned earlier, when you're six, seven years old and you're not sure there's ever going to be another Star Wars, you're yeah. living vicariously through this, these 35 or 25 cent comics that are coming out once a month. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because I had no idea how much workload he had in the Marvel comics. Just amazing. Yeah. And he, he also did some Avengers, correct? It, well, I think he was in yeah. the Avengers comics oh, yeah. as well. He did a lot of just, I mean, in the overall in Marvel, he did a lot of work for Marvel until, uh, I don't know, 20 years or so ago. I think even then he was doing a little bit of work over the last several years. But uh, yeah, he did the Avengers, did Tomb of Dracula, which if mm-hmm. you've ever, Tomb of Dracula is a fun read to read straight through because you, uh, there are just certain mechanical things about comics writing that become very evident and obvious when you're reading issues that are supposed to be read a month apart all back to back to back to back, which I did for, uh, for tomb of Dracula one time, some years ago. And, uh, it's yeah, but, but it's great stuff. I mean, the art Gene Colon and, uh, Marv Wolfman wrote it, which I, it still kills me. The guy named Wolfman was writing a Dracula <laughs> book, but, uh, it, yeah, it's great stuff. The guy was just, I, I don't know anybody whose work didn't look better after Tom Palmer was done with it. You know, that's that's awesome. just, that's just the guy he was. Uh, that's, that's the caliber of artist he was. And, uh, I, I don't know anybody. I've never read an interview with anybody in the business who's slagged Tom Palmer. Well, that is, that is good to hear. And I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, I, his passing went right by, right. I mean, how many yeah. people put anything about it out there? I didn't, I don't remember nope. anybody doing anything like that. Nope. So to, to have you bring it up and for us to give him even a shout out and, and to say how important his work was. I think it is important. And I think people need to, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, go check out some of these old Marvel comics and look and see the work that these people put into them because yes, mm. some of them are corny, but some of them are fantastic mm-hmm. and the artwork's great in all of them. So 
Um, so I think it was important. And I'm, I'm glad you did bring that up because again, it opened my eyes to it. I went right to, to the trade paperbacks after you sent that over. And I was like, holy cow, he was involved with all of these. So yeah. it was really cool to kind of go back and refresh all that. So, yeah. Um, was, go ahead. No, just, uh, he was just, to me, he was just a legendary and a workhorse at the same time, which was great. Obviously, obviously. Um, so here was a question that I just recently asked Mr. Uh, Glosson. And I, I started this question out because when we had the Hyper, Hyperspace Heroes podcast on with us, um, we were just bouncing around ideas and thinking about different things. And one of the things came up about ships in Star Wars. And then it made me think, gosh, what new ships really caught my attention or made me think of really cool things in the sequel trilogy? And then I watched these, you know, the icons on Earth on Vice, and then I, I started watching uh, Light and Magic, and I realized how much George, in the original trilogy, wanted to push the envelope, mm -hmm. and also wanted to wrap in the imagination and the, the wonderment of children, you know, six to 12 years old. The prequels, he did the same thing, because you see all these people coming out of the prequels who are our age or older going that's not my star wars that's not star wars whatever mm -hmm. it, but the kids who grew up at that time look how important those characters ships planets everything are to them mm -hmm. and then i thought wait a minute not only ships but how many planets how many themes how many ships so, you know add that in there in the new sequel star wars trilogy really made it to where you're thinking a six-year-old is going to leave this and say that ship or that character or that planet just drew me right in. And in 25 years from now, they're going to be doing a podcast talking about it. I'm not trying to bag on the, on the sequel trilogy. Okay. There were things about the sequel trilogy that I did like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I will watch them because all star Wars is star Wars to me. It's not like I'm just going to void that out and take it out. It's part of the story because it is now, part of it but i did look and i started to wonder are we going to have the same effect of these people who are so beside themselves seeing anakin and obi-wan together again on the kenobi series are we going to have that same effect so many years later with this trilogy's kids based on the ships the planets and things like that i don't i don't know that we will i don't know no. that we have that no, and you know, it's funny because a lot of the times we were, we talked about this as it was unfolding, as the trilogy was unfolding, there was a certain lack of imaginativeness to both the creature design and the ship design. And, and the creature design was, I mean, for those of us who loved the original trilogy, I mean, those cantina guys stayed with us forever. And, you know, you 100%. look at them now and you go, yeah, these guys are okay. They're, they're chintzy costumes put together. They sold us. <laughs> they sold our imagination. And I, I don't know that that continues on with the sequel trilogy. I think it did with the prequel trilogy because you, you know, we've got the Dexter Jetsters of the world. And I, I just, and, and again, we talked about Plo Koon earlier and, you know, uh, Kit Fisto and these guys. I mean, we, we dug that, we got that it's right. imaginative. The ship designs were imaginative. The Naboo starfighter will stay with us forever and ever and ever. Uh, in fact, uh, I mean, what kind of a cheer did it get from people when it showed up in the Mandalorian? Yep. But I don't know that that giant, uh, thing that looks like a uh, a train car of a troop carrier <laughs> from the Force Awakens, and you know, look, G and I were talking about Garrison and I were talking about this yesterday. Even uh, the fact that we still don't get the retroactive hate that Force Awakens gets. 
because I think Force Awakens is a marvelous movie. I really enjoyed it's, it. It's a terrific construct. And, uh, you know, and, and at the time, people didn't have the beefs with it that they did after Last Jedi came out and they decided we have to hate all the Disney stuff. Right. Um, and I'm not one of those guys. I have some issues with some of the things they've done. I have some issues with the way they've handled, you know, more handled social media and novels and that kind of thing. But uh, I think Force Awakens is a perfectly good movie. But that having been said, I also find it interesting that people people who defend a lot of the stuff that I do criticize in it say, well, you know, you've got to, it's got to change. It's got to become something new. But there are also a lot of the same people that started bitching and moaning about all the digital stuff. And we've got to go back to practical effects and do it the way they used to do it and shoot it on film and all that. Right. And I don't, I don't, first off, I think that that from the filmmakers is disingenuous. Uh, I think it's disingenuous from fans because they claim they want things to move forward and then they don't really want things to move forward. Um, the reason I think it's disingenuous from filmmakers is like when JJ did the rounds of, of press for force awakens, he kept harping on, we're going old school and practical effects and blah, blah, blah. And it really kind of, again, I saw force awakens initially at the theater seven times. I saw it an eighth time in New York with the New York symphony or excuse me, New York, New York Philharmonic. I saw it a ninth time during the COVID lockdowns when I rented the theater and we watched force awakens <laughs> with a small group of us. Um, so clearly I have appreciation for force awakens, but it really bothered me when all of the publicity about it was, well, we shot this on film and we did a lot of practical effects and they kind of, kind of tried to pretend there wasn't a lot of digital there and there's so much digital in it. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that bothered me about that was not that there's a lot of digital in it, but it's that the guys doing the digital work on those movies worked their butts off. And they work their butts off. I mean, a great special effect is the special effect that you don't notice, right? Right. I mean, the special effect you don't know is a special effect. So I, I always felt like it really kind of belittled the, the work that these guys had put into that film to run around and talk about how we're not doing much digital stuff in this movie. And clearly these guys had done a ton of digital work on here. But when you can try to convince people, oh, there's no digital here, you're basically saying, oh, those guys didn't do all this work on this movie. And that always bothered me. I always thought it was an insult to the guys who did all the digital. It it, it is a weird thing. I mean, it definitely, I, I just, I, I, I can see where you're saying that because, you know, you look at the work you do on BB-8, for example, mm -hmm. and there's a person standing there in a full green suit, pushing a cart, mm -hmm. running everywhere around, doing all these things. And people would be like, oh, well, I mean, that was just a rolling ball right there. No, yeah. that's how good no. it was. Is it, it wasn't, it was a digital thing that people yes. were putting in there. So, yes. and, yeah. And again, people, yeah, well, that's practical. Look at all the practical. And honestly, some of the practical stuff was some of the worst part of it. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, what, what, what was the, what's the, what's the creature that, um, oh, what's his name now? Uh, the guy, the guy in the, in the desert that, that uh, tries to steal BB-8. What the heck's his name? Oh yeah. I know who you're talking about. She um, says his name. That's just. That's just Tebow. Yeah. yeah. Tebow? No, 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 no. No, that's no. the quarterback. <laughs> but yeah, but you know who I'm talking about. I know, I know. And then he, he walks off on his, he rides off name. on his creature, and the creature looks like it weighs about 15 pounds, the way it walks, even though it's huge. And you're going, okay, that's practical, and it doesn't look so hot. But the digital stuff looks amazing, and, you know, everybody's running around going, there's no digital in this movie. No. It's nutty. It's so. Tito. Is it Tito? Tito. Maybe Tito. it is. 
Yeah, I don't out. know. It starts with a T. I know that. I can see. I can see Daisy Ridley saying the name yeah. right there. Um, yeah, I just look. I, I hope. Maybe I'm just yeah, the, a, too happy of a thinking person. I hope that in 20 years, these same people who grew up with and saw Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker are going. That's my Star Wars. And now I want to take my kids to see this, or I want to show my kids this or that about it. I, I do. I hope that. Mm. I, I don't know that I feel that it will. I don't, mm. you know, right now when you should have been um, really promoting Ray, really promoting Kylo, really promoting Finn, things like that. I mean, that product's really much dried up there. You can't find yeah. a character of those kind of things. Right. I mean, no, no, not at all. And in fact, I will tell you this, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, Disney visa card holder and, uh, they have star Wars designs for the cards. Okay. And so the immediate moment I knew they had star Wars designs, I did what I had to do, which was I had to go get a Darth Vader credit card. And it's great too. Cause when I use, it, I'll say, well, let Lord Vader pay for this. When I <laughs> the card. And, uh, but my wife of course did not want a Darth Vader credit card. So she went on the site and she got a BB eight card. Well, recently her BB-8 card has, uh, has bit the big one. And we go to the website to look for a new card for her and they don't have BB-8 cards mm -hmm. anymore. The closest thing to a sequel trilogy card they have is they have a Chewbacca card who clearly the look of Chewbacca from the sequel trilogy, but, but you know, Joe Q public fan doesn't know that. Right. So she's going to get a baby Yoda one because baby Yoda is everywhere. everywhere. Um, and, and I think a lot of that was they hit a home run with the force awakens. Uh, they split the fandom down the middle on the last Jedi. And, and you could see it from the way the box office dropped over time. And that, yeah. on that film, you know, it opened really strong and fell a lot faster than force awakens a lot faster. And then by rise of Skywalker, uh, again, and this is a criticism I've put out there before last Jedi, whatever else you want to say about the contents of it has a huge flaw in that there is no cliffhanger. There is nothing at all that says, I can't wait for two years from now to see what happens next because it just kind of ends. And um, with a kid with a broom. Yeah. With a kid with a broom and the, and the rebels flying off in the spaceship. And I've long said the kid with the broom should not be shown at the end of the film, what they should do. And I don't know if I've told you this or not. Here's how the, here's how the last Jedi should have ended. I, I know I told around the galaxy, but now I'm telling rule the galaxy. Uh, here's how the last Jedi ends. They're on the Falcon, you know, I, Ray meets Poe. Hi, I'm Ray. I'm Poe. Right. Uh, and pretty soon I'm going to be some British museum guy. You know, it's, I'm going to be three or four different people. But, um, <laughs> you know, they're all meeting and greeting on the Falcon. And that's purportedly kind of all there is of the rebellion at this point. And it's not Correct. the resistance. And that's another thing that people miss. It's not the resistance anymore. It's been rebranded back to the rebellion. And um, at that point, the lights flicker. They start to go in and out and the radio crackles and every speaker in the place comes to life. And it comes to life with the message that showed up in Fortnite. Oh, the emperor's radio broadcast. And everybody looks around like, what in the hell was that? And then you Iris down, go to credits. Uh, I, you know, I love that. Ending. I'm just going to tell you right now. I love that ending. Now you've got something that makes people go, holy, what just happened? I got to go. I mean, at the end of Avengers Infinity War, they didn't go, 
wow, we defeated Thanos. Wasn't that great? Come back next year for the sequel. It's like, what? No, I, I don't care anymore because you've beat Thanos uh, or you escaped from Thanos or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, no, what happened was everybody, you know, half of everybody died. People you love, Spider-Man's dead. What do we do next? Vision's dead. What do we do? Uh, we've got to find out what happens to half the universe in right. a year, you know? And, and that was a huge hook. That, there was no hook at the end of Last Jedi to bring people back. So I had yes. not thought about that, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell the guys on the podcast that story. I, I want to hear what they think about that ending. Cause I really like that. I'd love to see somebody fan edit that into the ending of the film. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't possess the technical skills to do that, mm -hmm. but I would love to see that just kind of sp sprawled out there and just let somebody do it. I think it would work. And again, what you do at the end of that is you go, Holy crap, what's going to happen next? The emperor, what the emperor is back. I think works a lot better than unveiling them in a trailer, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, unveiling them in a trailer is okay, but you don't get anything out of it. Unfortunately, I don't play Fortnite, so I didn't hear that announcement either. So no, but, but you do, you do know <laughs> what I'm talking about, right? I thought the trailer, well, I thought you were talking about when he was coming out on stage and doing it there. No, 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 no. And this is the dumb thing about it on Fortnite, the game, before mm -hmm. Rise of Skywalker came out, they buried a a radio announcement from the Emperor. You know, at the beginning. Yeah, of I, I I I heard that. But that's what yeah, I'm it's not what's in the trailer. It's something totally different. Right. And that's the thing I think they need to put in this. You know, um, what I was saying earlier is like the first clue we really had the Emperor was coming back was hearing him in the trailer. Okay. All right. But what if we had it at the end of Last Jedi? See, I don't even remember the trailer for that movie. So he, I, I, you're refreshing my memory. You heard the What's Emperor's that? voice in that trailer? In the in the Rise of Skywalker trailer. We did? Okay. That, yeah, because he laughs. how much it stood out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like That's it better you, being at the end of the movie than in the trailer. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Ian McDermott comes out when they did the trailer at Celebration because his voice is at the end of it. Yeah. And then he comes out and says, do That's it again. Right. And they run That's again. right. Yeah. Okay. But what if, again, they have his announcement to the galaxy that I'm in charge of the galaxy at this point, and, oh, crap. You know, now we're talking about some serious stakes for the next movie. Love it. Hey, you know what that feels like? That feels like the ending of a, of a, Batman, a Batman TV show back in the 60s right there. Having there the Emperor yeah. coming over the radio right there. Come back two years. Next, uh, same, same Bat, bat Theater. Yeah. Right. Same Bat yeah. Theater. No, um, but that to me is a thing, but no, didn't happen that good. way. That's I'm right. not a creative. I'm not in the story group. So maybe we'll create our own story group. I like it, well, idea. it's it's the headcanon story group. We can do that. I'm do all it. over we'll, it. We'll form it. You, me, I'm thinking Glosson, Bray, <laughs> and Shaz Bazaar in. We've got the headcanon story group there. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. I'll be the organizer and I'll just mm -hmm. take everything in and, and compile it all for you. <laughs> That'll be my, well, my two cents worth of it. I've got my list of changes already. Okay. One, they brought back Valance from the comics. Mm -hmm. I love Valance. Yes. The Valance in the comics ain't right. There's a, there, you know, there's another, let's, let's go off on tangent number 58. Okay, there's a I thing. I saw Valance in here. Go ahead. I, I wrote a paper in college in 1990 or 91, either right well, yeah, right before or immediately after Heir to the Empire came out, because I was still I still cared about Star Wars. And uh, I wrote a paper called Issues of Race and Class in Star Wars, the first film. And uh, was, yeah, was doing Some work at the video stuff. center. Yeah, and I submitted a, like a captioned 
edited video supplement to my paper, you know, showing illustrating scenes and describing things and stuff like that. Got an A on the paper. Good for you. But, uh, yeah. But one of the things I always found interesting was how droids are treated in the original trilogy and particularly the first film. We talking right there. That's balance. There yes. we go. Balance. Yes. Gotcha. Balance the hunter. I knew yes. I just looked him up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Walt Simonson drew that issue, by the way, he drew it like 16 and then started <laughs> again in the fifties. But, um, uh, I, I did this thing issued racing class in Star Wars. And I always found it interesting the way the droids are treated, particularly in the first film. And you all, you, everybody remembers when they try to go into the cantina and they say, Hey, they don't serve their kind in there. I just talked to my son about that line probably yeah. an hour before you and I spoke. And that's literally, a, 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 you know, kind of an illustration of how they're treated as second class citizens mm -hmm. there, you know, but there's also another scene that nobody remembers and equates to the same thing, which is, um, Hey, you're not permitted in there. It's restricted. In other words, droids are not allowed in the escape pods. Right. Again, no droids allowed. So again, it's kind of a, it's a parallel to a race issue that we've seen on earth. Right. And, um, Archie Goodwin picked up that thread and really ran with it in the star Wars comics in the form of balance. The hunter balance. The hunter was a guy because he was half droid and half human. Correct. So he's half what everybody in galactic society hates and half what's acceptable in galactic society. Mm. And nowadays the, the canons gotten to the point where there's so many characters with the cybernetic, this and cybernetic that, that it, it, you know, it doesn't really play anymore, but, but, to me, that was what was always intriguing about balance was he was kind of, he kind of had some self-loathing because he did even he hated the droid half of him. I mean, really, when you watch the films, I mean, solo is entirely dismissive of the droids because that's what society is like, right? Luke is one of the few that actually treats the droids with any dignity. And that's because that's, you know, the galaxy is prejudiced against droids. Now, why is the galaxy prejudiced against droids? Because of the droid army and the prequels. My belief is that 20 years before that, a, a droid army tried to wipe out the free part of the galaxy. There you go. And of course, the Republic triumphed over these droids, so they think, in becoming the Emperor or the Empire, right? Love it. Yes. So we all hate those droids because they tried to undo <laughs> the whole Republic. And so, yeah, I think that's why, you know, droids can't be trusted. Look what they did. And that's my that's my theory on that. But uh, again, headcanon. Nope, it's headcanon, but I, I like it. I mean, that is now I will tell you because I'll take you on tangent number 73. My son and I were I was joking around with him because I was at work and somebody was talking about going to a place where um, a, a brew house, a local brew house where they make their own beer. But in mm -hmm. that place, you, they don't sell cores, they don't sell Michelob, they don't sell, they just sell their own varieties. And they have yeah. a beer that's like a Miller Lite. And they have a beer that's like a Guinness, whatever, right? Mm. But when I was leaving the office and talking about it, somebody goes, they don't serve their kind there. Because it was talking about Miller and Coors and all that. Yeah. I, told, I told Joey, I said, I'm waiting for a video of you taking a Miller can and a Bud can, having them shuffle up to a brew house <laughs> and then saying, we don't serve your kind here. So it's nice. so weird that you brought that back. See, everything's full circle here. Mm -hmm. Everything's full circle. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I love balance because I feel like balance represents that same thing, an exploration of that theme. 
And if you remember one of the, in the issue 16, he, there's a guy who's like going to pull a gun on him from behind a bar and he punches through the bar with his robot hand mm -hmm. and he grabs him and starts crushing his hand. And the guy starts yelling, you can't be sentient. You can't be. In other words, you, you can't, can't really be a human. Right. And so they kind of just have him walk around with his parts showing to, to borrow a phrase from three PO all the time. And it just kind of, that frustrates me because I, it's not, it's not a good representation of balance. I tell you what, this is exactly why I like having conversations with you and Adam and, and Steve, because I remember those things. Once you guys refresh them in my head mm -hmm. and I know I've looked and read, but you guys have them in almost page by page, like you said, day and date. <laughs> You have them right uh, there locked in. That's I just I we have Alfie on our show who's exactly the same way. Mm, we call him the book of Alfie yeah. because we just mention it and and he just goes, right? He knows when that character was made, when that show came out. And I'm like, gosh. And and so I'm glad I'm glad that I'm just the host because if it was relying on me to know all the information, it would be a very subpar show. So I don't believe it. But not for um, a second. Well, no, I appreciate that. So I tell you what, um, you were, you know, gracious enough to take time out of your busy day to come do this. I wanted to make sure it happened before I left and before we, I took off for Italy. Anything you want to hit on before we close up shop here on this special fireside chat? Any topic you want to hit before we yes. break away? Okay. Yes. Something occurred to me. Okay. And I've mentioned this to you before. And then it hit me while we were talking and I pulled it up. Uh, I did this some years ago for another podcast. I actually did it for a convention. Okay where we were doing a panel on Marvel star Wars and I, I titled the, the panel, uh, Marvel star Wars. It ain't just a green rabbit and, <laughs> or a big rabbit. And, um, I put together a thing that I called Marvel star Wars in five minutes. Now, the truth is when I did it, it wound up being about seven minutes, but it was the best I could do. And I, this, it was a piece that I did. And again, it was pre-recorded. But it basically summarized every single, there is a mention of every single issue of the original Marvel Star Wars. And I've not done this in maybe 10 years. Okay. When I first put this together. But I would like to do it for you right okay. now. Can I do yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. So here it is, Marvel Star Wars in five minutes. And again, I'm reading this and I'm doing it cold because I haven't looked at this in 10 years. Okay. But we're going to try this. Okay, you ready? Yep. And if you want to time me, you can time me. I, it ain't going to be five minutes, but it's going to be close. <clears throat> All right, you ready? Yep. Okay, so it starts with a new hope. If I have to summarize that, you don't need to be listening. But then after the Death Star and Chewie split off, go uh, Han and Chewie split off and go to see Jabba and pay him what they owe him. However, they're hijacked by Crimson Jack and Jolly, who's never kissed a man, and they steal their reward for rescuing the princess. So they bum around on a strange planet and are approached by three space monks who had agreed to recruit the Magnificent Seven, but eight, and in space. And yes, there's a giant green bunny, but I wouldn't mess with the guy because contrary to rumor, he's a bit of a badass. They fight the guy from Mad Magazine and then face the behemoth. Then they get captured again by Crimson Jack and Jolly, who's never kissed a man, and find that he's taken Leia captive. He then gets her free, and they go find Luke, who in a striking moment of irony has crash-landed on an all-water planet. See, he's from a desert planet, and oh, you get it. Anyway, Luke's been taken by pirates who live in a floating Lincoln log ship. They shut down the pirates and run into space where they're stopped by Crimson Jack again. This time, he and Solo suit up for a space duel, and just as Crimson Jack's about to kill Solo and Jolly, who's never kissed a man, she sacrifices herself to save him because she's secretly in love with him. 
So he kisses her when she's dead. Kind of gross. Then Valance the Hunter, who hates droids, shows up where the magnificent Space 8 were recruited, and he tries to figure out the name of the person who destroyed the Death Star. By the way, Balance is half-droid, which is why he hates droids. Deep. Luke then takes a moment to extensively remember the time during the Skyhopper races they had to fight off a bunch of sand people. Then it's time for the Empire Strikes. That's it, just the Empire Strikes. Luke's mind touches Vader's mind in the Force, and he blacks out. The Star Warriors take him to the wheel, an off-track gambling satellite where they heal him, draw Vader's attention to get Hannah Chewie thrown into an arena where only one will live. They barely escape ahead of Vader, but then they probably ought to flash back again because they're tired. Leia tells the story of Obi-Wan using a ship to play dead during the old Republic era, but then it's back to the present of a long time ago. TIE fighters raid Yavin base, but they can't figure out how they got there. Turns out they're hiding in a vortex on Yavin created by the Taggy family scientists. Luke checks it out, takes a stolen tie, and destroys the turbine that creates the vortex. But wait! Balance the Hunter's back, and he still hates droids, even though he's half-droid. He's looking for the name of the person who destroyed the Death Star because Vader wants the name, and it's a hot commodity. He finds out Luke, it's Luke, and he thoroughly kicks his ass, only to have 3PO intervene. 3PO's attempted sacrifice causes a change of heart for Valance, who decides Luke's okay because he has a special relationship with droids. He decides to protect him, but wait! On a chewy, you're holed up in a cave trying to escape the skinny cat-like job of the hut with one T. All of a sudden, they find out the cave is full of metal-eating bugs. The bugs eat half of Jabba's guys, and they get away only to have to rescue Jabba, for which he agrees to waive their debt to him. You remember that, right? Next, Vader finds out that a rebel deserter named Tyler Lucian knows the name of the guy who blew up the Death Star, so he goes to talk to him. Balance beats him there and gives his life on an acid planet to protect the coward. The coward sees this and sacrifices himself to protect loose identity. Leia then goes to an Imperial slave planet to sow the seeds of rebellion and help a little girl sow some real seeds. Then the gang reunite to defeat an evil winged ruler of a planet whose three favorite Jedi are Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, and Darth Vader. Okay, so they can't count. Anyway, Luke then goes home to Tatooine, commandeers a sand crawler, and discovers a secret taggy plan to freeze the rebel planet. Luke lays the smack down to Baron Taggy and escapes from their clutches, only to barely warn the fleet not to get frozen. The Taggies, however, refuse to let it go. Meanwhile, Sister Domina travels to tell the Rebellion that even though they're neutral, the Empire is vying for their services, and like Luke, he'd like Luke to propose an alternative to her monastery planet of monastery. Turns out she's Sister Domina Taggy, and she recruited Luke because Vader finally found out his identity. Baron Taggy finds out his sister, the one pure Taggy, is in evil league with Vader and freaks out. Luke agrees to meet Vader in a field of spontaneously growing crystals, fights Vader to the death, only it's not Vader, it's Baron Taggy with Vader's image force projected over him. This leads to, no wait, a bounty hunter sneaks up on Solo on Ord Mantell. Hand shoots first, and the bounty hunter tells him Jabba reinstated the price on his head because he was bankrolling Crimson Jack, and Solo took him out, of course. This sets up the Empire Strikes Back. No, wait, not yet. The issue that would be that isn't because Luke and Leia instead get swallowed up by a giant living ship who lets them go after they teach it about love. Now the Empire strikes back. After Empire, Luke fights a sentient probe droid. Hey, where'd he get that lightsaber? Then Lando witnesses the end of Cody's Sunchild. R2 and 3PO defuse a war droid on Droid World. Leia and Vader fight it out for a bank loan. Leia gets a hookup as Luke honors a crazy old creature who thinks he's a Jedi. Luke catches the Crimson forever, but he's saved more or less by Domino Taggy. The Empire decided to build a second Death Star. Well, no, that's what Dave Michelinie wanted to do, but I wonder why Lucasfilm wouldn't let him. Anyway, Vader's men try to kill Vader. The Rebels foil the second Death Star called the Tarkin, and Vader foils the officers. Next, Leia visits Barsoom. That's all I got on that one. But the Rebels then find a base with Plif and the Hujibs, and they defeat the Slivalisk. Lando sneaks back to Cloud City, where a man malfunctioning, uh, malfunctioning lobot tries to beat the crap out of him. An Imperial officer showed up just as things get good and kicks Lando off of Cloud City. Yes, off of Cloud City. Lobot uses a jetpack to save him, and they go down to Bisbon and help get help from the Ugnaughts. Meanwhile, 
Luke and his new lady friend, Shira, go to Cloud City to find Lando, only to mix it up with the Imperials. Cloud City is saved, and the residents come back home. Next, R2 and 3PO save the Rebel ship from being burned up by going on a spacewalk. Luke and Lando go to a market planet and are almost eaten by a trash monster. Then Luke finds out his lady friend, Shira, was a refugee from the Empire, and she goes back to her home planet to honor their sacrifice to the Empire. The Empire has a new secret weapon, and Luke and his new lady friend, Shira, remember her, go on a mission to stop it. They're often in ties during the battle. Luke has to use the Force to decide who's trying to kill him and blow him up. When he gets back, he finds the last time he blew up was his new lady friend, Shira. No, he's arrested and escapes, returning to her home planet to repeat her ritual, only to find out she was an agent of the Empire and she was sending signals to Darth Vader. Before his trial, Luke somehow goes to a planet of jousting lizards, then the trial. Luke's found not guilty in just over two pages. Then the rebels are sent to destroy a new Imperial recorder that's all natural. Luke mixes it up with the water bandits and makes it rain all up in there. Then the gang get a flashback from Solo's past because, well, we missed him. Then Chewie, R2, and 3PO tackle the Darker. Then the gang decide to go after Solo. Finally, not sure why it took so long, but hey, I'm not complaining. First, Leia tracks down and confronts Boba Fett. No, wait, it's another Mandalorian named Finn Shiza, who was a buddy of Boba's back when the Mandalorians fought on the Emperor's side in the Clone Wars. Don't ask. They wind up driving the Empire out of the city of Bone. Meanwhile, in an even distribution of labor, Luke, Han, and Chewie go to Stenax, where Solo got mixed up with natives in the god statue called Vol. There, they run across some old associates of the scoundrels, Rick, Danny, and the Rodian Cheeto. No, he is not orange. Through their adventure, they find Bosk and IG-88 with the carbon-frozen Cheeto. Curse the luck. They make friends with the Vol worshippers and escape. Only Danny, a species of horny alien called a Zeltron, stows away and puts the moves on Luke, who's already trying to deal with his feelings for Leia. Oh, back when life was simple. They then run into the Lozbys, cute as Ewoks, which don't exist yet, but when they reach puberty, they turn into muscle-bound raging creatures called Hucks. I'm sure that was intentional. Anyway, Leia disguises herself as a chanteuse and her sexy tones send a Lozby into puberty. She then has to calm him down by singing to him. Next, they go to a water planet where outsiders aren't welcomed by some. Their city's destroyed and it's blamed on a water breather, Kiro, but he was set up. Vader finds out that they're there. He sends troops. A firefight breaks out and so does a sea serpent. Then Luke's childhood Tatooine buddy, Wedge, gets stuck in a transport after the Battle of Hoth and is about to give up hope when he's rescued by his old childhood buddy, Luke. Luke, this is some kids who idolize him and so one of them becomes a stormtrooper. Lando calls himself Drebbel, dresses up like Captain Harlock in order to scheme his way into a goddess called the Minstrel. 3PO falls in love with a robot named Ellie who's blown away looking out for her master. Then Return of the Jedi. Well, it would have been if they hadn't run that adaptation, if they had actually run that adaptation of Marvel Star Wars. This is where it would have been. Next, Boba Fett takes on Solo again on Tatooine after crawling out of the Sarlacc pit but he commandeers a, a sand crawler that winds up falling right back into the pit. Luke goes to hang with Kiro, and Kiro leaves his people and takes off with Luke. Lando teams up with a hot chick for a filler con game story. Han wins a crystal from a legendary star system at a card game and goes to their home for more, but it doesn't work out. The real Drebbel wants Lando's hide, but he and Lando end up uh, teaming up, and Lando gives him a gift. The ball got a statue right in front of some balls. Leia's life is saved by a stormtrooper from Alderaan. He dies. She cries. She's a chick. Rick, Dula, Danny, and Kiro show up, and everyone's in danger, and Kiro nearly dies trying to save everyone. Danny thinks he's hot. Lumia arrives on the scene. She wears armor like Darth Vader's, but with metal Princess Leia cinnamon buns. But who is she under the respirator mask? Mm -hmm. Luke gets involved in a civil war on a planet where there's always a traitor. Always. Leia struggles with identity issues. Is she a soldier or a diplomat? On Kashyyyk, the gang meet a guy named Knife who looks like Frankenstein, and they bust up slavers. A potential apprentice for Luke shows up, and he's really she's really his own sister, and he dies. What? Best left there. Anyway, Luke settles the issues on the planet of the kitty cats. The Lozbys and the Ewoks declare war on each other. Yes, that's how far we've sunk at this point. Then Knife comes back. Kiro's attacked, and Luke gets the crap kicked out of him by Lumia and her light whip. Luke managed to hulk out and knock off Lumia's mask, and she turns out to be his new lady friend, Shira. Just let me tell you, back then that gave a lot of us a lot of life to a dying book. 
It was a cool <laughs> reveal in the middle of a pool of sub-mediocre <laughs> stories. Then the Nagai invade. One of them tortures, rapes Danny, and they develop a relationship. Hey, if it were written by a guy, I'd want him arrested. Next, Solo and Lando save kids in a Goodwin Williamson story out of nowhere. Then Lando falls ill, and Han threatens to blow up a planet unless he's saved. And the guy war resumes, and Han's childhood buddy Bay betrays him. Who? Just wait. Next, Solo runs into his childhood buddy Bay for the first time in years. See, because of the 100th issue, they had to be printed out of sequence. Mm -hmm. Yes, someone should be shot first. They return to Kiro's world to save the day, and Kiro takes off to protect his people again. Then Leia winds up with a Nagai after a battle, and they're supposed to learn to trust each other. Then he gets killed, and he, she cries again, all because all the girls have been crying lately. Leia, 3PO. Anyway, these giant bugs who were supposed to be allies were actually traitors. Hey, they're bugs. What do you expect? Then they change size because, hey, they're bugs. What do you expect? Finally, 30 issues seem to have passed between 106 and 107, and they're fighting the end of a huge war, and Bay's a good guy again, and everybody's happy. The end. That was, <laughs> um, it was, it was about eight minutes. Okay. That, about eight I, minutes. I, but I don't know how you did all that. I would have tripped up and quit halfway through because <laughs> I can't keep doing that. Um, I'm glad that's on my show. I'm actually go. glad that's on my show because for our Rule of Galaxy fans, if you haven't read the Marvel comics, there's 107 right there that he just went through. <laughs> 110, because all the annuals are in there, the too. The annuals. I forgot about the annuals. Yeah. So, but what I would do is highly suggest now going and finding the trade paperbacks version, because it's probably easier to find than the originals, and catch up with what Scott just did right there. I, I feel honored that Scott did that on the Rule of the Galaxy podcast. So, how many I times have, no, have you done that? Uh, I haven't done I did it. I did it once. I pre-recorded it once years ago and edited it down and, you know, got all the mistakes out of it, which clearly I didn't get the mistakes out of this. Uh, but I mean, all the typos are still in the document and everything. So I, I was lucky enough to figure out what it said. Uh, that's probably literally the second time I've done that. Okay. Uh, well, I'm in 10 years. It's, it's I'm feeling good. Cause I'm going to show off the Glosson and some of the others that I have that recorded right here. <laughs> and we're it's going to be played next, probably in the next week on our show. Uh, so um, Scott, you are a gym. You are a good friend. You're a guy who I look up to, and I appreciate all that you do for the Rule of the Galaxy podcast. Uh, thank you. Um, I, you know, just thanks for being you. Thanks for being a part of, of what we do, and thanks for taking the time to come and do this. Well, thanks for, for letting me do stupid things like what I just did. So, I mean, not everybody <laughs> would do that. So, I appreciate it. Well, no worries. Well, I'll tell you what. I've got it right here written down. We will have a Heir to the Empire show. We will have a Father and Son show. We'll do that. We'll try to get all those done before the end of the year. How's that? When I get back from Italy. Um, Sounds good to me. I will reach out to you. I wish you nothing the best, but the best. Um, good luck in DC if I don't talk to you Thank before you. then. And um, I tell you what, Star Wars fans, go to your podcast platform of choice. Go look up my Star, my Star Wars story. And Scott's, they're still out there. Go listen yeah. to these great interviews that Scott has done with some great people in Star Wars that really take you deeper into the story and, and see what Star Wars means to these people. So go check that out. Um, also, as always, you can follow us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at Just Rule the Galaxy on Facebook and YouTube. Rule the Galaxy podcast on TikTok. Etsy, just type in Rule the Galaxy, all one word. You'll find us somewhere in there, shirts, hats, everything like that. Last but not least, after you listen to this and you want a full detailed copy of what Scott just read, email us at rulethegalaxysw at gmail for at gmail.com for your um, Cliff Notes version of the Marvel comics in seven or so minutes. Um, thanks again, Scott. We really appreciate it, brother. Absolutely, man. Have, have a great trip to Italy.
I will try to do that. And uh, for all you guys listening out there, all you ladies, all gentlemen, thanks so much for being a part of what we do. And until the next time, may the force be with you.